Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Submitted for Your Approval, a Twilight Zone podcast. I am your host, Brandon Cruz, and with me today, I have a frequent guest of the show. He completely outshines me on all things, Serling, a wonderful guy, <laughs> and an extreme talent. Please welcome from the Shadow and Substance blog and at Nightgale, at the Night Gallery on Twitter, my good friend Paul. Hello, Paul. Welcome back. Hello. Hi, Brandon. Good to be here again. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about these episodes, these these specific episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, especially yeah. You, you know me, I uh, uh, love those videotaped ones. So yeah, <laughs> uh, how, no, actually, some of them I do like very much. But uh, yeah. yeah, how how are things going over in your neck of the woods? Uh, everything's going well. It was uh, it was uh, it's, uh, it's uh, you know we were talking a little bit about the uh, weather and oh. you know things are. Uh, you know, uh, up and down temperature wise. And it was a good, uh, um, marathon. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I thought that was, it was kind of interesting to see how, um, sci-fi decided to s- switch it up a little bit this time around with their having everybody vote on the primetime episodes. Yeah. Um, that, that was, you know, which that was kind of weird, right? Like they, they said like, okay, well if it won this in this time zone, it would be played at some other point in time. Right. Yeah, it pretty much what what they had done is I remember when I when I because obviously I for professional reasons uh, am you know uh, looking at the schedule ahead of time or at least as far ahead of time as, as I can and I remember when I, I first started noticing about mid December uh, what the schedule was going to be for the first and the second and they were showing um, basically they they didn't have any episodes listed for uh, prime time on the first and on the second. And initially, I mean, they, you could tell they had Twilight Zone slotted in there, but it, it didn't have any uh, specific episodes listed. And at the time, I thought, well, I guess that's because they're still kind of working out what the uh, primetime lineup will be. And, when, and of course, they were just not the way I thought. Right. Uh, they, they were holding that. And the idea was basically what their plan was, OK, well, we'll have a face off, six face offs on the evening of the first Eight o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock, nine thirty, ten o'clock, ten thirty. Yeah. Uh, Twelve episodes. They'll face off, and it turns out it's one of those things where it was like, even if your episode quote lost, it wasn't really a big deal because they were just going to show the quote losers the next night at eight, eight thirty, nine, nine thirty, ten, ten thirty. So yeah. it was like, it wasn't really that, you know. Well, but still, it was. I, I, I mean, from what I could tell, everybody seemed to really enjoy it. I mean, they really got into it. I mean. Uh, the, the whole marathon is always, uh, you know, a very busy time, yeah. uh, for, for me on, on, on Twitter. Uh, but things really started ticking like a, like a slot machine on crack, you know, like <laughs> Franklin, Franklin Gibbs would have, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the fever would have definitely appreciated how my, uh, how my, uh, the columns on my tweet deck were moving. It was very, very fast paced. And I was having to apologize to people and saying, if I don't reply to you, please, it's nothing personal. It's just crazy busy, which is great. I mean, yeah. I'm so, it's so nice, you know, cause there's, there's, it's so great when you think about it, the show is so legendary and it's just great to think about all these people. I mean, here we are over 50 years, more like 55 at this juncture yeah. since this show premiered. And I'm like, and here we are, fanning over it and obviously there are you know there are people around who who enjoyed it when it first aired but i'm like let's face it most of the people that are on social media are people like myself or were born uh after the show was 
was on the air. And it's just great yeah. when you think about it. I mean, just, just to see all this kind of excitement, um, people seeing reruns uh, that they probably have seen 10 times or more. And they're like, you know, so into it. It's great to see. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. So. I, I feel I feel bad for uh, my wife and kid during during the uh, New Year's marathon because because I'm like constantly looking over my phone or at the computer right. and I'm like yeah I I just right, I was gonna say I mean there's sorry. just there's no right exactly it's like you know don't talk to me don't invite me to a party don't <laughs> uh, you know exactly it's like in a way it's probably just as well that it. I, I feel like it's it's the, the the only good thing about it is that at least it occurs over New Year's, which is kind of a non-holiday holiday. I mean, when right. you really think about it, I mean, except for watching the ball drop, I mean, <laughs> or whatever it happens to be, uh, you know, for the most part, it's like, you know, I mean, yeah. during the, the like the July 4th marathon, you could say, you know, well, hey, uh, I'd be going to a picnic. I'd be going to a ball game. I'd be going to something outdoors. But I'm like, what are you going to be doing on December 31st? It's probably cold snow and ice outside <laughs> yeah i know i know i know, you know how you feel about that out in hawaii right so it's like hmm, yeah you might as well just sit inside and watch tv so you know yeah uh but and, yeah it is it's it's busy but it's definitely uh worth it it's uh it's, it's really remarkable too how you know for some people it's funny you know for for people like you and me you know diehard fans of the show and for us our interest in it is pretty much you know is, is year round mm-hmm. you know they're they're if if not maybe not every day of the week, although for me it is, uh, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's year round, but there are, there are people out there who, you know, certainly plenty of people like us who, who enjoy the show year round, but there are also a lot of people, this is the one time of the year they watch the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost literally they do not watch the show any other time. They binge watch the twilight zone marathon at new year's Eve. And that's pretty much it until in it's like, see you next year. <laughs> It's kind of funny. And so as a result, that's one of the reasons why, you know, because sometimes people will be like, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to take up time. No, away no, from no you're good. Yeah. But I was just going to say, just while we're just on the subject of the marathon, I was going to say, you know, because sometimes people say, you know, oh, well, you know, oh, why watch it on on sci-fi? You know, it's kind of like, you know, the episodes are edited. They're broken up with commercials. You know, you've got beautiful Blu-ray discs you can watch or stream in high quality, high def on, on Netflix. I'm like, yeah, I know you can do all that. And that's great. But there's something about the community aspect of everybody just stopping for a minute and fanning over this great old show and being just sort of universally aware of it yeah that like you at, just can't get like at, at the same at the same time right like because yeah. I, I could look at the sci-fi schedule and I could say okay they're playing the invaders at this point in time and I could pop it in the DVD player or watch on Hulu Definitely. stream it right but sure. But we're not. I don't have that shared experience of getting interrupted by a Cialis commercial or or, right. or whatever, right? right. Like at, <laughs> that at, I could do without. At least, at least those commercials were like, yeah, okay, cool. We're all watching the Face Off All Stars commercial for the seven hundredth time. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know. But it's just it's it's great just to have everybody you know, at the same time just being like, oh, poor Henry Bemis kills me when he drops his glasses. Uh, you know. Oh man, the gremlins on the wings, you know, I love when he opens the window and his face is right there, you know, and it's just, it's, it's great, you yeah. know, really to, to have that. And, um, you know, as you might imagine the follower count for me, you know, uh, it, uh upticks, uh, pretty dramatically then it can take me 
I generally draw in my Facebook or excuse me, my Twitter account uh, will typically draw in roughly um, maybe about 40 or 50 people a week. Uh, Over the three days of the marathon, I brought in, no kidding, about 2,000 people. Nice. New, new, new followers, um, which surprised even me. I mean, I, I started <laughs> it out thinking, well, maybe I can, you know, maybe, you know, who knows? I might be able to get an extra 500, maybe even 1,000. So I have to admit, I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, you just have to think of all the new followers on Twitter, just in general, new users to Twitter in, in a year. Right. And then the marathon shows up and, you know, just that 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 boom of, of influx or that influx of Right. And I just feel like there are so many. I mean, I just it's it's great when you think there are so many, you know, shows out there that I just think are not nearly as worthy of people's time and attention. And I'm so gratified to see something as enduring and high quality as Serling's work being uh, seen, you know, by new 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 viewers all the time. You know, it's great to see that. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and, and I think that will, that brings us to the one that we want everybody to see, which is, which is today's episode, right? The the whole truth. Oh, the whole truth. Absolutely. I'm being completely (laughs) forthcoming by saying that everybody should see this. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling, I have a feeling you do not own the car right now or uh, (laughs) (laughs) what you're saying does not strike me as being a hundred percent truthful. No, I'd be a good politician right here now. That's right. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, it's it's anyway. I'll let you uh, uh, give a okay synopsis. I'm sorry before I start talking about it. Oh, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tear it up. Uh, this air, yeah. <laughs> this show originally aired. This episode originally aired uh, on the 20th of January in the year 1961. It stars Jack Carson as a Mr. Harvey Honeycutt. Um, there's the there's the old man in this episode who sells the the car to him. Uh, I I feel like I recognize him. I forgot to catch his name, um, but uh, it, yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to think of uh, of what else uh, he might have been in. I mean, his name's George Chandler, but um, I'll admit I I haven't okay. checked his IMDb list. So oh. you're right; he does look very familiar, though. Right. Uh, it was directed by James Sheldon, uh, six episode director, Long Distance Call, It's a Good Life, and mm-hmm. Penny for Your Thoughts among them. Uh, yeah, tell good, good stuff there. Uh, and tell play by the a, a relatively unknown Rod Serling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I wonder what happened to that guy. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Just, <laughs> the the dust of history took him away. Uh, yeah. As far as synopsis goes, a lying, conniving con of a car salesman, Mister Honeycutt purchases a haunted vehicle that forces him to tell the truth. After realizing mm-hmm. how much profit telling the truth actually cuts into. He manages to find a potential buyer, a politician, who finds that giving it to buying it or getting somebody else to buy it uh, might be handy. A little bit later, a certain Nikita Khrushchev drives away mm-hmm. in a brand new, well, an old, haunted Model A vehicle. Bam. Right. Bam. There's a, there's a synopsis. Real quick, real easy. I think that's there one of my, my shortest ones, actually, for this season. So. Right. And it's it's funny because uh, every time I see it now, I wonder how many people, especially those who are on the younger end of the viewing scale and or are not much of history buffs, if the ending even really makes much sense to them. Yeah. 
Right, right. Uh, because in a sense, I mean, you know, when you think about it, I mean, Serling was counting on, he figured that viewers um, who were watching on uh, January 20th, 1961, it was enough to have an actor who looked like Nikita Khrushchev and then have Arthur Honeycutt, uh, you know, go in and pick up the phone and say, hey, I need to speak to Jack Kennedy. And, and you know what I mean? And it would click. They would go, oh, of course, it's Khrushchev, because, of course, you know, Khrushchev was well known to people then, you know. Oh, yeah, that's the leader of the of the Soviet Union. You know, that's that's the you know, basically the most famous communist in the world. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, and, and they would understand when he says Jack Kennedy that, oh, he's, he wants to talk to the president of the United States and say, you know, hey, guess what? You know, our, our arch uh, enemy uh, now has something that's going to force him to tell the truth and uh, and and enjoy the joke. But now I have to feel like, you know, like people uh, are, are, are like, who? like, huh? <laughs> what? Why? Why is he talking to who? You know, if they even know who Jack Kennedy is, they're probably yeah. like. You know who? Yeah, so that that that's a bit unfortunate. The funny thing is that um, he, in his original script, because he actually revised it a few times, and Serling in his original script had um, a much longer. There was much more focus on the Khrushchev uh, angle at the end. In fact, uh, it it originally was supposed to end not with just a quick sale and a, and a, a scene of Khrushchev driving away. Uh, but there actually was a like a press conference at which the Khrushchev character was being questioned by journalists and was <laughs> talking a little bit more at length about how uh, you know uh, how much uh, much better American culture was compared to Soviet <laughs> culture and uh, yeah. and um, in fact there's even a kind of an amusing. Uh, line if i can kind of look it up here um uh, that i got a kick out of i mean i think that he did the right thing um yeah in 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 editing this down um you know it it, it probably would have been amusing but i think at the time it just it wouldn't have been might, might have been might have been too too on the nose or i think it uh, wouldn't have been yeah because he because because as as it was you know as as nikita khrushchev drives away I'm like okay all right this isn't it you know I, I don't know if there's any episode off the top of my head where they where they use a current political figure within the context of the episode right yeah and uh, i think general, and it, yeah and so so it's like a very direct political political commentary to the time instead of like instead of masking it under fantasy or sci-fi they're like hey uh, this, this guy, this this Russian, the Soviet is a liar, right? Right, exactly. And I, I think it was probably better to leave it that way. I mean, usually, I think one of the strengths of uh, of Twilight Zone was the fact that Serling generally um, kept things, uh, you know, kind of out of the political fray. Uh, because, and not even so much because of it being controversial in terms of which side of the fence you're on. But in terms of uh, how quickly it would be dated, um, and usually when when Twilight Zone kind of did, on occasion, trend in the direction of making something too topical, those are are seldom episodes that are uh, very fondly remembered by anybody, regardless of their 
political affiliation. Um, and I'm thinking of something like the mirror, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, for in the in the uh, upcoming third season, you know, where you have uh, a Fidel Castro figure, and even though he's not called Fidel Castro, in fact, he's given a completely different name. You know, certainly makes no bones about the fact that he's he's meant to resemble <laughs> yeah. meant to resemble Fidel, and this was a, sort of a commentary on on him. So, uh, I think it it in the end it was good that he cut it down because, like I said, there actually was you know, quite a bit of a focus in his original draft on Khrushchev. Right. Um, talking so it's probably best <laughs> that he that he uh, that he cut that down because then it could just focus really more on what i think is a bit more enjoyable i mean i mean let's face it i mean you know th- this episode and you and i were talking a little bit about this when we first uh, before we actually started the, the podcast was um it's not uh, you know i'm not among those who, who think oh gee it's terrible it's an irredeemable time waster uh, but I don't think there's anybody out there who, or very few people who, who think that this is a, a very strong episode. Um, it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's amusing. You know, if it's on, I, I enjoy it. There are lines in it that I enjoy. I actually kind of get a kick out of Carson. Uh, some of my favorite parts of it actually are him. Actually, some of the Baroque ways that Serling comes up for him to describe how yeah. the car is pathetic that he's about uh. to, that he's about to sell somebody uh, is actually pretty amusing. And, 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 and so that I enjoy. And, and let's face it. I mean, this is a pretty tried and true plot. You know, the, the, the idea of a congenital liar being forced to tell the truth was mm. already not a unique twist even before. Cause I think there had been a Bob Hope movie in which Bob Hope had played a character who had to, uh, uh had to tell the truth. And of course, years later, it would be resurrected by Jim Carrey in the movie Liar, Liar. Yeah, uh, the classic. Right. The family classic. <laughs> <laughs> so you figure that, so so it's a great, so there are some of these like tried and true plots that are, of course, yeah, there's something enjoyable about seeing somebody who is just, you know, this, uh, uh, you know, incurable liar being forced to tell the truth. I mean, you know, you, you almost yeah. kind of can't really go wrong. And yet, you know, once again, we've, we have a couple things that are hamstringing us. One is the fact that, you know, comedy just, you know, simply was not Twilight Zone's forte, you know, which is yeah. kind of uh, ironic because, you know, Serling himself was known to be someone who was uh, a great joker. You know, he loved to tell jokes and even play practical jokes on people and was by all accounts, you know, everybody, you know, uh, talks about him as being, you know, very light and funny and, uh, which is funny, you know, when you think about it, because everybody's used to seeing him, this grim faced figure introducing us to, you know, some pretty scary areas of the right. Twilight Zone. But um, so I think he always wanted to be able to write comedy as deftly as he could drama and suspense. Yeah. And just for whatever reason, it just was not his forte. It's a shame, really. But yeah. And he and he just kept trying to throw in practice. He's like, oh, let me let me, let me try it. Let me try it again. And then you get the whole truth or let me try it. Let me try it again. Right. <laughs> over and well, over again. One of the things that tends to, um, I, I, I'm almost never surprised to find this out. A, a number of his, uh, not all certainly, but a, a number of his more, his efforts at comedic twilight zones usually are things that were meant to be pilots for a different series. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Beavis was like that. It was meant to be oh, a God. pilot for a series. Right. I know. 
later, the episode, the episode with Carol Burnett Cavender is coming is another one that was meant to be a pilot for a series. And this one, while not quite, it didn't come as close to being a pilot, but he, this was, he had written some script prior to this that had elements of this idea in it. So, um, what was it? Wasn't, uh, weren't there parts of the script that were originally for that original Mr. Beavis concept? Yes. Yes. He, he did. He had right. And so sometimes, you know, let's face it. I mean, you know, if you have someone like Serling, um, who, you know, uh, you know, or really any writer, but in the case of, you know, you, you get ideas and some of them are, are, uh, are, are quite full and, 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 and rich and you can really do a lot with them and others are, well, they're a little half baked, but yeah. you're a writer. So you write them down and you stick them in a drawer. And then sometimes you're like, Oh my gosh, man, uh, I've got a deadline bearing down on me. <laughs> you search through your notes. You're like, Oh, wait a minute, here's something I could, maybe I could spend something out of this, you know? So I can imagine, sir. Uh, Poor yeah, let, me, let me call it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I can imagine poor overworked Serling. Uh, yeah. You know, let's face it. I mean, you know, there's no way. I mean, even someone of Serling's caliber who did so many great scripts. I mean, he, even he can't churn out, you know, a time enough at last or an eye of the beholder or, or a to serve man week after week after week, you know. So yeah. um, and so you wind up with some episodes like The Whole Truth, which are like. It's like, you know, some, hey, hey, you want to watch the whole truth? You're like, yeah, sure. You know, but you wouldn't be like rubbing your hands together and going, oh, yeah, I love this episode, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Um, why, why, do you think, why do you think that this episode, uh, aside from the failed comedy, isn't, isn't one of the more remembered ones? I'm sure that some of it has to do with the, um, the videotape format, which uh, crept in in season two. And um, uh, some of this may have come up. In because uh, this was not the first one that aired, but sometimes people will say, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier. They'll say, you know, why does this episode look weird? And uh, mm-hmm. of course, it's because uh, in the middle of season two, they aired not all together. They kind of spaced them out. Although they, it's funny because they filmed six episodes on videotape back to back. You know, boom, boom, boom. But then they they aired them. They distributed them in between ones that were put on on film. Uh, and the whole idea was that, you know, it's funny now cause we look back and we're just like, it's twilight zone. How can you not, you know, have poured tons of money and been thrilled to death. And it's weird to look back and think of twilight zone as being, yes. I mean, not that it didn't have its fans and not that it wasn't somewhat acclaimed in at the time that it was airing, but it was in a sense, just another TV show. And the networks then, as now, were always like, spend less, spend less, spend less. So they were always riding him about costs. And for some reason, it was particularly bad in season two. And so uh, they said, hey, why don't we try this experiment? Because at the time, episode costs were getting up to be about $50,000 an episode. Now, of course, we laugh at that now. And I'm sure that if you factor in inflation, I mean... Uh, yeah, it, yeah. it's going to be more than that. But the point being, you know, you know, we're like, please, it's twilight. So, Ch- and the funny change. thing is that, yeah, exactly. And, the, and speaking of chump change, the, the savings that were realized by, by putting these, what, what they basically did was film them on videotape, uh, and then transferred them to film for broadcast. Um, and, uh, they only wound up saving about $6,000 an episode off of a $50,000 bro. Uh, so, but in the end, they were just, I mean, now I should say, you know, some people are like, oh, I hate the, and this came out actually during the marathon. And I remember saying, you know, some people were like, 
oh, I, you know, I can't even watch them. And I always feel bad about that because I'm like, well, I, I'm, I think it's a shame you feel that way because I really feel like some of these episodes are really very, very good, especially like Night of the Meek and, yeah. and Long Distance Call and so forth. Um, so the whole truth, it's um, out of all of them is probably it. Um, you know, it's funny because you look at something like Night of the Meek and you think, oh, man, if only that had been filmed. And I know Serling wished it had been filmed. Um but then you look at the whole truth and you're like, well, that one, it probably didn't matter if it was filmed. <laughs> I mean, if it was put on video, too, you yeah. know, whereas, whereas 22 is kind of looks kind of cool, you know, uh, yeah. a little yeah. bit on the videotape. So I'm sure that that was, that, that didn't help it. I mean, yeah, we're supposed to think this is an outdoor car lot and I don't think there's anybody that's fooled into thinking they're at, they're outdoors, you know, right. I mean, it, right, right. you know, so. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 felt watching it that it doesn't you know twilight zone the 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 good episodes have some kind of lesson within the context of it right right and in this particular one honeycut he is a he's a piece of crap he's, he's a liar uh and then he, he gets this he gets this car he has to tell the truth and then he sells the car to nikita and he's like cool done with that yeah back to back to lying yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. And you know something? I got to hand it to you. I, I, I never really thought about the fact that part of the dissatisfaction from this episode comes from the fact that, you know, because for the most part, you know, with, with, with Twilight Zone, as with almost any, you know, great old classic TV show, a character either is, you know, a bad, if not evil character and is punished, or mm-hmm. is a misguided character uh, or someone who has some misfortune visited upon him and he learns a lesson and is helped or saved or redeemed in some way. And uh, you're right. Uh, he's, 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 he's established as a slimy character. He winds up with a device that forces him to tell the truth. And you're right. As soon as he can find a way to unload it, he does. And uh, yeah, he's going to turn around the next day and be, you know. Um, like, all right, time to sell some cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So maybe if he wasn't, uh, but, but see, that was the case. I think a lot of times with the, uh, uh, I think Serling just tended to imbue the more dramatic episodes with a lot more nuance. Yeah. And when it came time for comedy, it was all like waka, 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 you know, and he fell back <laughs> on all the stereotypes of the day, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, even here, I mean, what do we have? Of course, he's a used car salesman. Of course, you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, cool. it's like okay. next next to lawyers, you know, is there any, any profession that we joke more about as being, you know, I mean, when Jim Carrey did Liar Liar, he was a, he was a lawyer, yeah. you know, and Serling did the whole truth. He was a used car salesman. So it was yeah. like, and then, and then, and then the politician shows up, shows up <laughs> and then, and then he's like, oh, yeah, this, this car makes you tell the truth. No, that's not good for me. I couldn't tell uh, him. I couldn't give another speech. You know, right. I mean, right. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, I mean, if there's a lesson to be learned in this episode, it's that telling the truth is not a good thing to get <laughs> that's to be a successful. Very, yeah, that's a very good point. And and that and that truth telling is something that that should be foisted on somebody else, you know. And we'd yeah. all be better off if we could force <laughs> uh, not every politician, but the right politician, namely someone that we don't agree with. Yeah. You know, I'm not that I have a problem with that or that I thought it'd be important to keep a crew chef. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that, but my point being, it was like, you know, I'd be like, you know, well, maybe the lesson should be let's produce a fleet of these cars and we'll go ahead and put it, 
you know, it, yeah. every politician has to own one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not like just when, the Soviets, you, but us too. So. <laughs> like when you get elected to office, you get one of these cars and you, and you have to own it. There you go. Right. I like that. And it's funny, it went through, uh, you know, uh, speaking, uh, I mentioned about how it went through some drafts. Initially, he had it as a pipe. Uh, it, when it rolled off the assembly line, it had a pipe. And uh, the, the pipe was something that uh, was was forcing you to tell the truth. Uh, so I'm not sure at some point along the line that changed, which is probably just like, as well. Like know. like one of those those fancy smoking uh, corn cob pipes? I, well, I don't, I, <laughs> it's not really described, but... <laughs> But uh, I, I got the impression it was just your normal smoking pipe, you know, uh, like with a fez cap and you know, like you blow like bubbles nice out of it, maybe or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a little uh, fun with it, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, but yeah, otherwise, it's just kind of, you know, an, an unremarkable episode, but not uh, it's uh, not one that I can bring myself to. You know, I made a list one time on my blog of what I consider the bottom 12 episodes um, mm-hmm. and the whole truth was not on it. Now it is, you know, probably closer to it than, <laughs> than Serling would like to see, but, uh, it's probably like 13. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, right outside. yeah. Cause occasionally there'll be an episode and people are like, that's not on your bottom 12 list. I'm like, I'm sure that's 13. It's gotta be, <laughs> I probably identified five episodes as my number 13th up the list. <laughs> yeah. Really sure. So, <laughs> Uh, what 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 do you rate this episode like out of whatever scale you you want to choose? You mean oh uh, yeah? Cause I think normally we've done like a uh, almost like a um, grading scale, you know, like A B C like that. I'd, mm, I'd give it kind of a C minus, I guess. Okay. Yeah, right. something like that. I mean, it's you know, it's like I said, it's it's fine. I don't uh, I don't hate it. But there's no question that it's, you know, something that, especially after you've, you know, in a sense, it's funny how, and I even said this in my post about the, the 12 worst episodes, I've said, you know, very few of them are like a total waste of time. I was like, even Twilight Zone at its worst only looks bad compared to how great uh, the rest of the series is, yeah. you know, and, and when you see the heights uh, that it can hit with uh, some of the episodes that are so uh, scary or touching or have this great twist. You know, you look at the obsolete man and you look at, you know, so many of these script, you know, the monsters are doing Maple Street and on and on and on. And you look at these amazing episodes and then something comes along that's like on any other series would be pretty good. But by Twilight Zone standards, it's kind of like, uh, okay. Yeah. And and that for me is where this, this episode sort of falls. So. Yeah, and and I think that's a really cool point about, you know, judge judging something uh based off of what came before in that in the series, right? Like right. it's it, it's easy to judge it against other shows, uh, but when you're judging against basically yourself, right? It's, right. It's self improvement uh, in one way. Yeah, and it and, you know, it doesn't help. Like this one comes right after. I mean if you if you were just looking at it in terms of a broadcast order. I mean, you know, this one comes af- right after uh, back there yeah. uh, with, with Russell Johnson playing the man who goes back in time and tries to prevent the Lincoln assassination, which is, uh, which is a, it's a great episode. Uh, and the invaders, 
Yeah. Well, wow. <laughs> you know, that's not a lot of fun. You get to be nestled, you know, poor uh, whole truth gets to be nestled in between an episode that if not legendary is at least a highly regarded episode and right before another one that is considered you know, uh, you know, let's face it. I mean, most people, if they were to list like the 12 most famous Twilight Zone episodes, they'd probably put the invaders. Um, you know, Agnes Moorhead with the with the little spaceman running around and, yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, uh, I would not want to be slotted next to that, you know? So. No, no way. Like, like if, if the marathon was going on and it was hashtag TZ, the whole truth versus TZ, the invaders, yeah. the invaders would win. Would win. Right, right, right. Hands exactly. Down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was not. Uh, that was not one of the face-offs in prime time. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of. If, I'm not sure. I don't have the, the the schedule in front of me. I'm not sure if the whole truth even aired, or maybe it did. Yeah. I think it I don't, did. I'm I don't sure recall it if it did or not. Yeah. Uh, I I would uh, I would give this. Uh, I would probably give it a C minus as well. I would. Yeah. I, I wrote down five. Five out of ten uh, Christines or used cars. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I like your scale better. Yeah, <laughs> and a five out of ten sounds like a like a C C minus. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It, kind of. It's it's nothing spectacular. It's not spectacular. Right. I, like I, I watched it and I didn't. I watched it twice actually, just hmm. in the, uh, the last day, and I I didn't find myself going, oh god, I have to watch it again. Right. It was just it was. It's Just like there. one of those movies that that's on Showtime or on TBS, and you're like, "This isn't a good movie," but I, but it's okay that it's on. Like I'm not right, right. I'm not going to switch the channel, right? I, I don't. Yeah. I feel, I'm not searching for the remote. Not uh, like Mr. Beavis. Oh, Mr. Beavis! No, I just God, can't. I cannot yeah. emphasize that enough. I do not like that episode. <laughs> I really, I, 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 I don't either. That and Cavender is coming is just so unbelievably bad. It's so funny, yeah. and. um you know, and it's you know, and I mean they they do a nice job. I mean Jack Carson is ideally cast. I mean you know, I mean oh yeah, you know who you know he obviously plays a used car salesman, at least is stereotypically defined, uh, you know, very very well. Um, and it's funny to see Artie Johnson, um, as his as his uh, yeah, assistant Irv. there as Irv, yeah, which was kind of funny. Um, and uh, you know Artie Johnson would uh, just as a little side note here went on to have a role in um, Night Gallery after this. Yeah. Uh, in again, another episode that was like, it's funny because he was in a segment because on Night Gallery, they seldom had like an episode usually encompassed more than one story. Mm. So they would have like two or three segments per show. And uh, he was in a segment called The Flip Side of Satan. <laughs> Playing a DJ who goes to some kind of a, he's like doing some kind of an overnight show at some place, and it was just kind of an odd show. Yeah. Again, yeah, like the whole like, truth, not terrible, but not really. I that feel like good. I remember that one, like very, very vaguely. Yeah, yeah. The very... idea is supposed to be that they're, I don't know, everything he plays indicates that he's becoming. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, there were some, it's uh, funny because they had some episodes that were just, you know, that they were very, very good on, on night gallery. And then they had other ones that were just like, okay, weird stuff's happening. And as a viewer, you're like going, why? And they're like, Oh, it just is. <laughs> just, just roll just, with it guys. Just roll with it. You know, <laughs> and we're not, you know, so awesome. 
Yeah. Well, uh, well, well. Thank you so much for coming on the show, oh, Paul. Sure. Again, again, you're you're fantastic, and I really appreciate your presence here. Appreciate it. Sure. Uh, uh, how how can folks get a hold of you? We we said it before, but guess oh no what? no, I'm you, always you get a chance to say it again. I love to say it again, no problem. If you're if you're on Twitter, that that's where I'm I'm most active on a day to day basis. That's how I kind of first started, you know, um, I guess sort of sharing my fandom of the show and and Serling's works in general. Um, so it's uh, but I'm on Twitter at the Night Gallery. You need the the in there. Uh, so yeah, the night gallery and, um, I'd wanted to do the twilight zone at some point, but somebody else already has that. So, I mean, as a, as a user handle, you know, but it yeah, says, it wasn't uh, me. It wasn't uh, me. No, 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 definitely not you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure who used it. I mean, you know, and, um, so I'm on there. It's about 85% twilight zone, but I also mix in some night gallery and some of Serling's other works his movies and teleplays and so forth. So just, uh, quotes and facts and fun things about that. So on Twitter at the night gallery, and then on the blog i have a wordpress blog uh i call it shadow and substance but the handle for that is the nightgallery.wordpress.com so if you go to the nightgallery.wordpress.com you can find my blog um i've also got a pinterest page that i don't contribute to very often but i do have some <laughs> pins there if you want to go ahead and take a look uh, uh that's also just the night gallery i'm pretty sure right <laughs> and yeah. uh oh, oh and, and on, on facebook as well uh that one is facebook.com slash of shadow and substance so of yeah. shadow and substance and if you find that that's sort of my facebook home which i don't know i'm pretty good about that two or three times a week i'm putting stuff up there sometimes i do more uh, yeah. than that but so but yeah definitely twitter or the blog is the best way you know and if you you can always email me at uh, nightgallery at rocketmail.com. So if you have a question or comment or what have you, I'm, just email me at nightgallery at rocketmail.com. Perfect. Perfect. Thank, thank you so much for that information, Paul. Uh, and, yeah, please, everybody, go out, go out there, follow him, and check out Facebook, uh, check out his blog. It really is fantastic stuff. So you will not you will not be let down by the amount of content there. And for the rest of you out there, uh, there's a few ways to get a hold of me. You can hit me up at facebook.com slash S4OA podcast, Instagram S4OA underscore podcast. And also if you just hop on over to Twitter and just put the at symbol in front of that, it's the same thing at S4OA underscore podcast. And then at email S4OA podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I have a telephone call number, telephone call number, 860-GO-TZ-POD. And of course, this and more over at www.apatheticenthusiasm.com. Uh, and then search for Seminary Peer Approval. I'm, I'm there. And of course, head out to iTunes, any other podcatchers, Stitcher, yada, yada, yada. Uh, leave me a review. Leave me some feedback. Let me know what you think. I'd love to have it. Uh, but until next week, until we hit the famous episode of The Invaders, I am Brandon Cruz, and this is Submitted for Your Approval.